I'm Piers Linney and welcome to Rethinking Business, a new podcast brought to you by NatWest. Let's face it, the path to business success is rarely straightforward. That's why in this series, we're hearing from businesses who are thinking differently, disrupting industries, turning obstacles into advantages and bouncing back when things inevitably don't go to plan. Today, I'm joined by an entrepreneur who is rethinking business with an environmental mission at the heart. Each year, approximately 8 million tonnes of plastic ends up in our oceans. It's a huge global issue. And single-use drinks bottles are a massive part of that problem. That's why his company, called Cano Water, is focused on a recyclable alternative that can be returned to the shelf in as little as six weeks. With me is Cano Water's co-founder and marketing director, Josh White. Hello, Josh. How are you, Piers? So, very interesting business, and uh, you're... So you're making waves in your industry. So just let's just start with, tell us a bit about Canna Water. What's the product and why is it so special? So Canna Water was started by myself and my two best friends in 2016. The purpose of Canna Water was to create, I guess, a can of water, but to create a drink that not only had purpose, um, but had aesthetic that went against the grain. Um, can of water is a recyclable alternative to, to plastic bottles. Aluminium is infinitely recyclable, which means that when you recycle your can, it will come back as another can. So it's sort of closing the loop. A mad fact is that um, 70% of all aluminium that was mined in the 1800s is actually just still in circulation. Yeah. So it's just uh, we're just using it again and again and again. So we're all very familiar with, you know, beer, fizzy drinks, you know, and they're all packaged in aluminium cans. And again, so what makes you different? And I think one of the things, and I bought your product actually myself, and one of the big differences clearly is the the top of it. The resealable lid. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a few things that make us different. I think one thing is obviously, yeah, the resealable lid. That was something that we actually found on page 10 of Google when we first started. Um, and so you haven't, you haven't invented that? No, we yeah. own the license to that. And it's something that we are very sort of proud of. We were the first people to use it with water. And the reason the lid is so sort of special is because obviously you can't close an aluminium can. So we wanted to provide that service because obviously you can close plastic bottles um, so that's one thing that is definitely a usp with the product i think the other few things is the name i think that the name is something that we don't speak about as much but a lot of people ask uh, if the competition comes what makes you different i think the the name cano water is really thought out it's what you ask for isn't it you ask yeah, for a can yeah, of water that's true and I think my favourite thing is the brand side. We're very fortunate to have... Um, it's very clean, very yeah. clean brand, and, and, isn't it? And and that, black and white. Exactly. And that all goes down to our brand director, Perry, who is one of my best friends and who I started the business with, who is just very talented. And the whole purpose, really, is, was to just create a uh, something different to, to everything else on the shelf. We, we go into shops and it's walls of colour. And we wanted to create something that stood out. So let's just go back slightly. So... You're you in a job, I guess. You were gainfully employed. Yeah, I I've been a DJ for about sort of ten okay, well, years. Perhaps not gainfully employed, but <laughs> yeah, you say. I was I've, I've been a DJ for ten years, so I was doing I was DJing a lot of the clubs in London and uh, all over actually, uh, student nights. And um, funnily enough, I only drink water, so right, okay. sort of. Were you in a job though? So I was in a job. And what happened there? Because... I, I was in events and um, I always wanted to do something different. I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I, I always sort of aspired to do new things. And this was 
one of many ideas that could have happened. But I went away with my friends on holiday and um, we went to Thailand. Um, and while we were traveling in Pipi, we came across a remote island that was just polluted with plastic. And I think that the three of us are quite brand savvy and we've grown up with uh, the likes of Coca-Cola and Evian and Fiji. And we came across these types of brands on the beach. And I think that we're from Watford. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not something that we've ever seen before. And I think it shocked us. And um, yeah, a lot of people ask me, why, why do you care? And the truth is, is that when you see something like this, I think that you should care. And I think that we we were so shocked that when we came back, it wasn't something that we were speaking about the whole time while we were there, but I think it was something that was on our minds. And when we came back, we were just having conversations like mates do. I think authenticity is actually a competitive advantage, which is why I think you have to be authentic. So being this sort of cynical businessman myself, so between that spectrum of, you know, passion and let's make some money, yeah. you know, where do you sit? Everyone wants to make money. But the truth is, is that we have an interest in this because it's something that we we really actually believe in. We actually, we came back from that trip and we weren't thinking about money when we came up with this idea at all. We were thinking about how can we solve this problem? How can we do anything about it? And uh, none of us have got backgrounds in science or... So you had no clue what you were doing. So no, you no idea. back from Thailand, we want to start a canned water business and it's the typical startup story really. You should have crashed on without a clue, no support. No idea, no and, idea. And what was that like? How did, you, how did you actually start the business? Our idea was to create a brand without having a brand. So basically, we would call up loads of people and try and find out if this was possible. And a lot of people told us it wasn't possible. A lot of people told us that you can't put water in a can. They told us that there'll be a residual taste of Red Bull or um, Coca-Cola or orange juice that are going through the pipes every day and that the, you would have to get a really powerful acidic clean going through the pipes. And that's because people that can drinks... Are used to canning. Can fizzy drinks. Exactly. They can water. So exactly. That, that exactly. was your, a problem, but also a competitive advantage. It, it, because it, exactly. Found and a solution. Exactly. Well, at this point, we hadn't found a solution. We were still going around to people and trying to find out how to do this. And the most difficult challenge was um, to can water, you need nitrogen. So... The reason the can isn't flimsy and it's so sort of um, rigid is because it has a dosage of nitrogen in it, like every other can. But people aren't used to it with still water. So we had sort of conquered something that, that, that actually originally wasn't really possible. So all the naysayers, usual story, they're saying you can't do it. So what made you think, well, we can do it. We are going to rethink this business. So w what was the sort of process between you and your founders? Did you ever, was there a moment where you thought, oh, actually, guys, this isn't going to work, or was that never, never an issue? This whole business basically has grown on people telling us that we can't do this. The whole business, from day one up until a year ago, really, where people would just say it's not possible, it's not possible. I personally, I know that I can speak for my other two colleagues, I won't take no as an answer, and I think that was key for this, if I'm honest with you. So you've, you've worked out how to get water into a can, you found a way of resealing it. So how did you go to market? Because having an idea in a product is one thing. Yeah. Getting it onto someone's shelf and having someone buy it, how did that come about? It was really difficult because imagine calling someone up and telling them that you've got water in a can. People just laughed down the phone. People didn't understand it. But before that, we basically were told that in order to put anything in a can, you need to purchase 150,000 cans of each product. So... 
for 300,000 cans, so 150 for steel, 150 for sparkling, we needed some some serious investment at this point. I was actually funding it, funny enough, at the beginning with my DJ money. Just so to... you immediately up against the minimum order quantity issue yeah, that ex- most small companies face. Exactly. But as I said, we wouldn't take no as an answer. And the way to make it possible is to get some demand. So we had to create some sort of demand in order to get people investors or or anyone to sort of look at this take this product seriously so what we did we sent two emails out Uh, we we basically created the most incredible brochure of a brand that just didn't exist and um, this is quite a funny story but um, our manufacturers told us that they could give us 500 cans that had sparkling lemongrass in it just silver cans so what we did is uh, we bought 500 cans that got delivered and uh, I created a room in my house that basically turned into a can of water station. The cans were silver. We basically needed to make the cans black and white. So what we did is we uh, we bought spray paint. We um, sellotaped the top of the can and the bottom of the can. Um, so you masked it. We masked yeah. it. And what we did is we sprayed the whole can, let them dry. My other colleague then wrapped the can and we basically created 500 prototypes that had sparkling lemongrass in it and that night when we finished doing those we sent an email to two places that we wanted one was Selfridges because we thought that Selfridges is quite innovative and the products that they they buy are quite innovative and the other thing was London Fashion Week because we wanted to tap the sort of the tastemakers and the influencers within a week London Fashion Week got back to us and said listen we absolutely love it we want you to be the main sponsors of London Fashion Week and then about a week later very strange. We got a call from Selfridges who basically said that the new buyer that has come in has basically been told that he's got the job to remove all single-use plastic bottles from Selfridges. And so people often say to entrepreneurs like yourself and myself, oh, you were lucky. And I always say, I wasn't lucky. You make your own luck, don't you? If you're not on the pitch, exactly. kicking the ball about definitely. and spraying cans in your bedroom, exactly. then that luck, that yeah. luck doesn't come about. No, it? definitely. And I think that... You could spin it both ways, really. You could say that we brought this product onto market and a lot of people started to realise that they needed to do things different. I don't know. But you've solved a problem. So, you know, people at the end of the day, the problem isn't, can I drink water? Because you can get water anywhere. Yeah. But you solved a problem and an increasingly um, high-profile problem about yeah. people, yes, I want to enjoy water, but I don't want the finished product to end up on PP Island. Exactly, exactly. So you can't sell water directly. That doesn't work. You can't <laughs> stick it on Amazon and put a stamp on it. So you're completely reliant upon stockists. So London Fashion Week, there's lots of models walking around with your water, yep. which is a fantastic yep. start. And then, so you talk to Selfridges. But then how did you go from there? Because, you know, talking to potential stockists and buyers, you know, this is a skill people hone over many, many years. Yeah. And many startups really struggle and actually fail. Yeah. So how did you get over that hurdle? I think that a lot of that is passion, really. I think that we would sit in this sort of small little office when we first started and um, we would get told no by everyone. And we were in Selfridges, which is amazing. Um, and then we were in Whole Foods. But after that, we couldn't really get into anywhere because the big boys didn't want to hear from us. The distributors didn't want to hear from us. No one wanted to make the change. The difficulty in the drinks industry is um, you need to create demand in certain areas. So you will go into a shop and you'll say, I'm going to show you this product. What do you think? And they'll say, OK, are you listed with this distributor? And then you'll go to the distributor and the distributor will say, OK, well, we haven't got any demand. You need to go out and get demand. Yeah, chicken and the egg as well. Exactly. And also, once you're in store 
entrepreneurs often forget that just sticking your product on a shelf somewhere does not mean somebody's going like, to want to pick it up. Exactly. And the stores want you to be supporting with PR and yeah. marketing, be on exactly. a bus ideally. Yes. So they have that demand pull. Exactly. And none of us have any experience in that side, but what we do have experience in and what we are good at is building a brand. So we thought, you know what, let's go back to the drawing table. Let's build a brand. Let's create awareness. Let's get everyone who is our target market demographic, anyone who loves water, who wants to stop drinking out of plastic, who wants to drink certain that looks cool, let's get everyone involved in this movement. But you were saying that then there was a quite a long gap between that initial interest and actually being able to get into the bigger chain and scale. So I can picture that, you know, you're all sitting around desk thinking, well, what now? How was that period of time? It was very difficult. It was very difficult. I think that after Selfridges and Whole Foods, we tried so hard to get into I'm assuming into you thought then here we go yeah and then you do happened. you do you think that's it and you think that it's gonna the ball's rolling but that that's that's not how it is and I think that this is where a lot of people get confused because they see short-term success and then maybe drop the ball a little bit but we really 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 tried to get some more wins afterwards and we just weren't we just weren't getting anywhere no one wanted to hear us it became quite quite depressing in the office we weren't really getting anywhere Do you know I mean the amount of no's that were coming our way we would have to sort of leave the office each of us and sort of just go for a walk and sort of it, yeah it really wasn't nice for a period of time because obviously you believe so much in a product and uh, the the other people on the phone just just aren't believing in it but the three of you sort of held together and get supported each other that, you took turns going for a walk that was the most important thing really is sort of being there with each other we got in a lot of arguments, a lot of disagreements, but ultimately we are best friends and like we, we, we needed each other at this point because this was a low point. This was the, do we stay here or do we go back to our jobs, really? And, and how was that? So you know, starting a business with friends can go very well because yeah. you know each other and you know how each other tick yeah. and it can go really badly yeah. and it can end up not being friends. Yeah. And so how, how did you find that? Well, we're still friends. Well, that's <laughs> um, a start. But it's, it's, it's not easy, no, because obviously the closer you are, the the more you sort of you can sort of disagree with each other and, and argue. But we all just want one thing. We just want Can Water to be a successful business. But you're very clear, and the way it usually works is if you're very clear on what you're good at and what your roles and responsibilities are. Yeah. Otherwise, you just have too many chefs in the kitchen. Completely. And there, and there still are chefs in the kitchen all the time because when it comes to the design side, we all try and sort of chop and change and it, it does create a bit of tension in the office. But the truth is, is that the three of us and our, and our MD, we've all got so much respect for each other. I think that's so important to have respect for your other colleagues. That's really key to have that, that in the back of your head. So did you realise that in some ways being different and you know rethinking business means that you can create competitive advantage by the fact that you know I've done it myself you're not stuck in the way that that sector tends to think for example you know you can't put water in a can because you know the bottling plants are used to fizzy drinks yeah but have you sort of realized actually but by thinking that way yeah we can do things differently definitely and get ahead of the game definitely I think that there are innovators and then there's people that copy the innovators. I think the innovators are the type of people that just, they, they make it happen and they come up with the new ideas, they come up with, with new things every day. And the copycats, I don't believe that they can ever be the innovators. The innovators are the people that are just churning out new ideas and they are the people that are sort of, they're turning around and not taking no as an answer and I think that's really important. So let's talk about that then because you're going to have, you know, 
entrepreneurs looking at kind of water thinking, hang on a minute, I can put water in a can. Yeah. And the, the big boys, the big players, and we all know who they are, yeah. saying, hang on a minute, we want a piece of that action. Yeah. And we've got the infrastructure to do it. Of course. So how's the competitive landscape changed? I'm sure you're seeing people come over the horizon. Yeah, no, we, we, we are seeing competition. I think for us, it's to not let that deter us from what we're doing. I, I don't see can of water as being a can of water anymore. I see it as being a whole movement. I see it's it like a as lifestyle being, choice I, almost. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're representing in a way that you recognise that something needs to change, especially Definitely. about the plastic. And yes. we see that every day now. Yeah. So you're saying that your brand really is about we are affecting change. Yes. One product at a time. Definitely. And we're starting with water. Exactly, exactly. And I think for for us, we embrace, I guess, in a sense, competition. But as I said, we are constantly thinking of the next thing of the new wave of the new thing. And I think when you get so bogged down with competition, you really can sort of take your eye off the ball. And I think you've got to focus on, on what you're doing. Exactly. So you, you raise some money, you've got some investment, which you needed to get things moving. And what, again, young companies struggle with is sales and marketing. So yes. one is the marketing budget. Yeah. And one is just having the the skill because, you know, selling is a profession in a way. Yes. It's a skill. Yes. Yes. And I guess you didn't have that really. No. So how have you got around that in terms of, Mar have you been clever with marketing and branding or have you used, you know, everyone's using influencers? Have you been, you know, huge on the on the gram? How have, how have you done it? I think that we are probably one of the most fortunate companies when it comes to marketing. We haven't spent a lot of money on marketing whatsoever. We have been so resourceful. We are very, very, very heavily on the gram. Um, and, and we base a lot of our marketing on Instagram and really sort of pushing it out to people. We've got a really, really powerful following. I, I mean, who wants to follow a water brand on Instagram? Let's be honest. Well, I'll be following it now. No, I love that. <laughs> I, I, know, I hope you will. Um, but who wants to be following a water brand on Instagram? If you're following a water brand, it's got to be very, very sort of But that's the power of your brand, isn't it? The power of your brand is that... Yeah, okay. You don't need to. Have, you don't need to put adverts on buses. No, it's going back to the no. the problem you're solving is you know, again not the water. Yeah, it's plastics, and yeah. that's becoming huge. And there aren't that many people that are let's let's face it, grabbing that ball by the horns and doing something about no. it. No, and I think yeah, the best marketing for us is just cans in hands. At London Fashion Week, we had David Gandhi, who was a big fan of can of water. We've got some footballers who have really sort of taken the brand on that are trying to live a plastic-free life. A lot of musicians. And David Attenborough actually was our most powerful, that Blue Planet episode really with plastic and the, the whale that died was a turning point for, for, for Can of Water. That's when the brand went from us calling up everyone and everyone saying no, 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 to we need to bring in a plastic alternative. Oh, someone called me from a company called Can of Water. I did laugh down the phone at them. I need to get back in touch with them. And within six months, we basically secured ourselves with all the major distributors in the country. And I think that that's when everything changed. That's when we saw that we had something that was really powerful. So the next problem, nice problem to have, yes. you're going to face is growing rapidly. So yes. um, insofar as you want to disclose this to the public, I guess you're growing very quickly. So yeah. in terms of units, just give us an idea of where you've gone from of to where, where you are today. So, I mean, obviously in the first year, we basically didn't really sell much at all, 100,000 units probably, um, very, very difficult. In 2017, we sold probably 400,000 units, but 2018, everything really, really rose. And um, we, yeah, we sold a few million cans in July and August last year. How did you cope with that then? Because 
you know, selling a hundred thousand can, then I know you know probably helped you in some ways in yeah. terms of the margin because the volumes went up. But how many of how many of you are in the company? There was three of us at this three. point. How many now? There's seven of us so now. There's seven of you now. Yeah. And this company, I mean, I can do the math in my head. You're talking into the millions now. Yeah. So how have you coped with that rapid growth? Because often when you're trying to, you know, you could be focused on yes. changing the world. Of course. Well, the wheels are falling. Yeah, off. no, exactly. Um, we actually brought in an MD who has really, really helped us. And yeah, he really has been a champion for us. And we needed help on the back end. At back- so you realise, and a lot of entrepreneurs forget this, is that you realise, oh, hang on a minute, we're out of our depth here. Yeah. And you brought in a an, another person, yes. I guess they're incentivised to, yes. to grow the business, an MD. So you yes. can focus on doing what you're good at. Yeah. And where do you go with it? So you, you're saying you created a brand, which is Cano Water, but is this going to become Cano of something else? Who knows? I can see in her eyes like, already. <laughs> Who knows? I can see where that's going. <laughs> but I'm assuming that Cano is the start of something bigger. Cano is an umbrella. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we don't know yet. But we're always thinking. So you know, you've gone through the passion idea. You can see a problem that needs solving. Yeah. You've created a product that solves the problem. There's a huge amount of interest because of that. But you know, people listening to this, yeah. you know, and they're thinking about rethinking some other business. Of course. You know, let's talk about giving some advice. Is yeah. How do you avoid? I'm all about practical, no nonsense advice for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Not motivational nonsense. It's about yeah. how do you help your fellow entrepreneurs. Avoid making the mistakes that all entrepreneurs make, especially first-time yeah. entrepreneurs, and the mistakes that you made. You're basically going to be told by everyone that it's not going to work. That That's the truth. I think that's the same with every business, if I'm honest with you. I think there are a lot of people around you that aren't part of it. A lot of them don't believe it, maybe don't want to believe it, and I think that you just can't get bogged down by that. I think that that, for me personally was so, so, so important because no one really believed in this. Just give a couple of examples and moments. I know you've had them where yeah. you just thought, oh, how on earth are we going to get around this? I mean, supply chain is a nightmare. We've had massive problems. Once we basically had a few hundred thousand cans turn up that were meant to be still water and it was all fizzy and we had to service every single one of our clients, basically. And you think to yourself, how do you get around that? You think to yourself, this is this is the end of my business. But so your contract, was that tight enough or you sort of winging it and got caught out or no, it was just, who, who it, took that risk it, on board? It, it, was just, it was just an honest mistake and I think that mistakes happen and I think an entrepreneur is someone who can troubleshoot. We had still water in the country but we had to minimise what we gave and this and that and, and really we actually dealt with it really, really, really well. But the way to get through it really is to push your manufacturers to push the supply chain to really 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 get onto it and um as i said you can't take no as an answer in in, in, in this the way, case you're selling to them an opportunity as well yes exactly to exactly leverage their own assets to make more money but in all honesty if i had to drive a van up to our canning plant in austria to get the water i would go and do that and that's the type of stuff that we have done for, for the business when there have been failures. And that's what it takes. Yeah. And what's your biggest frustration been then? So, you, you know, you are where you are. You've established a brand. You've got it, in, you've got it stopped. We want, need to have it stopped. Yeah. You're growing very quickly. So what's keeping you awake at nights now? What next? What are we going to do tomorrow? I think that things happen every single day. We get massive wins followed by massive losses. And I think that we... It's a long-term goal here. We're trying to do something that's different, and I think that things like that always keep me up. But so now, really, your 
a nice place to be, isn't it? Your what worries you is the pace at which you can grow this business yeah. without the wheels falling off. Yeah. So yeah. where are you internationally? So we're in China, we're in um, the Middle East, the Netherlands, Singapore, um, Thailand. So it's growing and there's there's interest everywhere. Um, but your market penetration, the, the size of the market you could go after. Yes. Let's face it, it's almost all bottled water. Yes. No, up, no. Up to 500 mil. Exactly. <laughs> so, no, no, exactly. It's huge. But we're not out there in those places. And I think that's really, really important. And we've got to be, as, as a business, you've got to be really careful when it comes to exporting. You need to be really careful with who you're sort of giving your business to. And I think that's really, really important because on a daily basis, we get people coming to us from around the world that aren't the right people. But as I said to you before, you just have to keep your eye on what you're doing and not sort of looking at the competition. I think that is the most important thing. You can ruin a very, very good night's sleep worrying about the competition. That is the truth. I think for us, we are always looking at the next thing. So if people are looking to copy us with what we're doing now, that's fine. We're yeah, not there behind the curve. We're, we're looking at the next thing. And I think that that's really, really important. And you've got a very small team, haven't you? So you've got a very, I guess, a tie. Would you describe the culture? You've got this tight culture. When, as you grow, one of the issues can be clearly is, you know, maintaining that. Yeah. But are you going to keep it small? I think right now we're keeping it small. I think that we are very, very, very resourceful. What we've done in three years, a lot of companies do with teams of sort of 15, 20. We've got our designer, um, Perry, who is, as I said, my, my business partner in this, who is phenomenal. And a lot of people need that within but that's their business. Why, that's why, you know, companies like yours can rethink business because you can sit around a table yes. and make a decision in yes. an hour or a day. Exactly. And large yeah. corporates, and I've worked yeah. some very large corporates, they're thinking quarters, yeah. years, yeah. three-year cycles at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why you can compete with them. No, definitely, definitely. But I think as a team, we're very, very solid. We're very tight. And we are, um, as I said, we're very, very passionate about this. And it isn't just to tick a box. This isn't just a, a box ticking exercise. Let's just put water in a can because we can. That, that, that's that's not what this is about. consumers see through that these days. I completely agree with you. And I think that customer loyalty... Um, and this brand has grown from people actually understanding who we are as individuals and uh, what we what we're trying to do. And I think that a lot of brands will suffer because they're trying to do something that is see through, really, and very transparent. We're nearly running out of time today, but Josh, they say that every good business solves a problem, and you clearly have solved a problem. But for those looking to follow suit and they want to create a business with a, an ethical or sustainable focus. You know, what would be your top tips? You know, one thing to do or one thing to avoid? I think just carry on and just keep going and just um, find a way to make it happen. If you really, really believe in it, there is a way somewhere. And I think that you just have to find that avenue. In regards to things to avoid, I think that just do your research. I think that research is key beforehand. Just do your research on sort of like where your markets are or who who you're trying to sell to. But as long as you've sort of got a goal just chase after that goal but i think personally what's interesting about your business is is that again let's go back to it it's a can of water <laughs> um and what you've done though is, is solve a problem that's not so much about the the product it's about how that product is brought to market and its impact on the environment and the planet you know at large so i think i can see that as a huge opportunity what you've done i think that, that's the clever thing the branding's fantastic but do you see that as a huge growth opportunity just by grabbing that bull by the horns 
and creating. I'm a big believer in this. I think business should be a force for good and then just establishing and building sustainable businesses. Purpose is, is everything in a, in a brand nowadays. I actually think that brands that don't have solutions or purpose will drown in, in, in future. Every, every brand that we use today, whether it's Uber, Spotify, Apple Music, anything, is, is a solution to something. It's, 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 it's more user-friendly. It's a solution. Well, I can see uh, Cano, lots of other things in the future. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, Josh. And, uh, you know, good luck. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode of the Rethinking Business podcast from NatWest. My thanks again to Josh White, founder of Cano Water. To discover more about the topics we've discussed today, business insights, local events, and stories from businesses facing the same challenges as you, search NatWest Business Hub or go to natwestbusinesshub.com. I'll be back very soon with our next episode, so make sure you hit subscribe. But until then, from me, Piers Linney, thanks for listening. Listening.